Hi everyone, welcome to the Tim Shelley podcast. Today I'm in conversation with Jo Kipax. Jo is a sleep practitioner and she does consultations, workshops, retreats on the whole area of sleep. Um, so I just thought it'd be fascinating to have a podcast with her. Here's my conversation with Jo. Hi Jo, thank you so much indeed for joining me today. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for this invitation. Hey, very exciting. no probs. Uh, now you're a sleep practitioner and you've, you've got your own business, Why Sleep? Um, can you tell me something a little bit about, you know, the background behind this, that you're exploring this subject of sleep and then sort of turning it into a, a profession? Indeed, absolutely. Um, so my uh, background is that I'm a nurse and I've been nursing for about 35 years. Um, the last 10 years of my nursing career, I've spent in child and adolescent mental health. And um, I was working with a lot of young children who, through their sort of mental health difficulties, just really weren't sleeping very well at all. Um, so I, I just became more and more interested um, in, in the topic of sleep. So I, I left the NHS and, and really sort of studied it quite um, in depth and have done quite a few courses and got a few extra qualifications in sleep. And it's just a topic that I just absolutely passionate about and just really, really enjoy um, helping people improve their sleep and it can just transform their their life really so um, yeah it's a very exciting business to be in I find um, and I'm just hoping to, that the the world of sleep will sort of um, develop and I'll be able to, to sort of do it more as a, as a full-time career so um, yeah I see clients in clinic at the moment on a one-to-one -one basis and I also do workshops in um, for employees about sleep to, to help maximize their their productivity in their workplace so um, it's a very very varied job very very varied brilliant and we all know you know sleep is important but I guess you know many of us uh, probably struggle with this area um, but I mean, can you just unpack a little bit about actually, you know, when we start to go off to sleep, what's actually happening? What's actually happened to our bodies at that point? Yeah, sure. So um, we spend about a third of our lives asleep. Um, and asleep is sort of a state where we've got a sort of reversible uh, reduction in consciousness. So we, we are able to regain consciousness if we're woken. Um, it's it's got so many different functions i mean from a physical health point of view uh you're looking at sleep repairing your muscles overnight um your brain gets a some almost like a power wash um so you know a real sort of it cleanses all the toxins from from the day um, and that is something that they think uh, is helping to prevent sort of dementia um so you know when you sleep well or it just unblocks the, the sort of small vessels in your brain. It also helps to lower your blood pressure, um, prevent you from getting heart disease and strokes, uh, helps to lower your blood sugar and get, prevent diabetes. It boosts your immune system 
um, which you know at, at the moment is particularly important. So a lack of sleep, we know that all the all the sort of white cells that prevent infection in your body, that they are really significantly reduced in number if you don't get enough sleep. So sleep is really really important to, for for good health. It also helps um, regulate our weight, and so um, if you're having difficulty losing weight, have a check on your sleep. Um, and helps off fertility as well and helps growth so children grow when they're asleep so that's the sort of yeah. physical health side of things and um, from a mental health side um, it really helps to adjust our emotional regulation so I mean we've all we've all been there you've after a bad night you feel really sort of teary and a bit cranky and a bit you know it, it's just you can't quite think really clearly and, and that is that's what your sleep is is doing for you it helps to um helps us to learn um basically you need like a almost like a sleep sandwich when you're learning so children especially um this is why sleep is particularly important for children um they need to sleep before they've learned and then after they've learned to actually consolidate them being able to remember what the, the information that they've received that day. So um, it, it also works sort of um, for our own memory. It's like a filing system. So it's, it's pressing the save button on, on our, um, you know, what, what we've been through that day. So um, we have a memory, but we also have a forgettery. Um, and <laughs> this, is, this is where you actually forget information because if i asked you what you had for tea about three weeks ago on a tuesday you would probably struggle to remember mm. and the brain is so clever at forgetting useless information you know it, it otherwise we've become completely overwhelmed so it, it's there's just so many sort of facets of of sleep that it's really wow. difficult to actually completely unpick what yeah. sleep doesn't do you know yeah. so um it's an amazing lot it, yeah. it's, it's incredible it's absolutely and, incredible. you know as we as you start to sort of you know lie on lie on that pillow and you, you're dropping off i i understand there's some stages of sleep so could you just unpack that a little bit for us absolutely there are some stages of sleep so we can divide sleep into non-rem sleep so rem stands for rapid eye movement sleep so there's non-rem sleep and rem sleep and in non-REM sleep, you've got three stages. So you've got your light stage. That's when you are still aware of your surroundings. So I don't know if you've ever been guilty of sitting there watching the television and you lose a few moments and your other half gives you a nudge and sort of says, oh, there you go. You see, you, you were fast asleep. And you, you think, no, 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 no. I was wide awake, wide awake. That's most that evenings. Absolutely. <laughs> that is your, that's stage one sleep. So you're just about losing, losing your uh, awareness of your surroundings. Then you go into stage two sleep, which is a teeny weeny bit deeper, and then into more deep sleep, which is the stage three and four. Um, and then you move into REM sleep. Now REM sleep is fascinating because during REM sleep, your body's paralyzed. And that is to stop you acting out your dreams. And we only have real dreams during REM, proper REM sleep. Otherwise, 
and if you do have dreams in in an, a different part of your sleep that's when you sleepwalk and that's when your children are sort or, or adults are walking around actually in their sleep it's during non-REM sleep when your body's not paralyzed so that that's a, that time of sleep is really really important for processing emotions for learning for memory for regulating all of your emotions ready for the next day so it's so important to get this full range of different stages of sleep and each instead of just having you know deep sleep at one part of the night and REM sleep at another part the way that it works is we every hour and a half we cycle in and out of non-REM sleep and REM sleep but we have more non-REM sleep first part of the night. So that's when you get your really deep sleep first part of the night. And then you get more REM sleep in early in the morning when you, and that's when, why you can remember your dreams. Yeah. So um, it, yeah, it's an hour and a half sort of cycle, which is why you wake up. You do actually wake up every hour and a half. You may not realize it, but you actually do sort of stir a little bit. And often people will sort of say, oh, I wake up at exactly the same time every single night. And that, that is partly why, is because you're just coming to the end of a sleep cycle. Wow, that's fascinating, so, Joe. Yeah. So, and if, yeah. I mean, if you, if you do find yourself actually waking up and then not being able to get off to sleep again, I mean, what mm. are some tips you can just share with helping us Certainly. To get back on yeah. to sleep? Yeah. So if you're awake for more than 15 to 20 minutes at any one time and you really think, oh, my goodness, this is it. I am wide awake and I am so not going to get back to sleep. The best thing to do at that point is actually to get up, get up, move out of the room and go into a different space and just sit quietly. Try not to look at your phone. Don't look at your emails. Avoid any sort of light if you can possibly do that because light is your biggest, biggest trigger for waking you up. And then just go back to, to bed about 45 minutes later. You know, just, just try, try again a, a little bit later. And don't try, don't think, right, I'm going to go to sleep now. I'm going to go to sleep. Just focus on relaxing. Just focus on, you know, feeling comfortable, doing some deep breathing clearing your mind thinking you can't do anything about tomorrow's problems today just just try and just really really focus on relaxing at that point and you will get back to sleep you 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 will sleep at some point it's, it, it is inevitable yeah and, uh, and as i mentioned earlier i'm guessing quite a few of us may have a, a an issue with with sleep and yes we kind of just put up with it but I mean you know what are the signs of a sleep problem Joe would you say? Sure um, signs of um, there's, there's, there's quite a few different types of sleep problem but signs of an insomnia which is the most common insomnia and basically before Covid 8% of the population suffered for from insomnia and since COVID, since last lockdown, um, that figure has risen to 40% um, of people suffering with insomnia. And insomnia is basically having a sleep difficulty. So having trouble getting to sleep, staying awake, um, 
yeah, waking up during the night or waking too early for more than three nights a week for more than three months. So if you've had a very, very stressful sort of time, it is completely normal not to sleep well. You know, you have not got insomnia. If, if you've gone through a really, really difficult patch, you can expect not to sleep well. And that's, that's really important to, to, to be aware that you have not got a sleep problem so that you just think this is normal. It's going to, you know, my sleep is just going to return when things settle down. Because otherwise, you know, the anxiety can kick in and that's exactly when an insomnia develops because you start to think, oh my goodness, here we go. I'm not going to sleep tonight. You know, what on earth is going to happen? And then your adrenaline goes up, your stress hormone, the cortisol, you know, is increased and then you don't sleep, you know, and, and that's when an insomnia really does sort of set in. So it's really important to just know if you've got acute sort of stress that it's okay not to sleep it will come back but certainly after three months you know if you're really struggling then you could classify that you do have an insomnia um, and there's so much treatment you can get you know it, it really is very very effective um, so please do not live with it you know it, a lot of people just assume that they're just bad sleepers um, but there is so much that they can do to actually improve improve their sleep I mean, the other, the other sort of, um, should we talk about the sort of the other sleep disorders? Yeah, that'd be great, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the other sleep disorders that um, are really important to sort of be aware of because um, some, well, yeah, a lot of people aren't even aware that they, they have them, actually. Um, the main one is obstructive sleep apnea, and that's when you snore really loudly and um, your partner thinks, oh, my goodness, they've got to wear some earplugs or go to another room because they're just, it's, it's really, really loud snoring. But within that snoring, there might be times when you actually stop breathing, but you may not be aware of that. And for severe sleep apnea, um, I, I met uh, somebody in clinic a while ago that stopped breathing 30 times an hour. Wow. So, you know, it, it's your oxygen level sort of, drops and then your brain sort of kicks in to get you breathing all over again so you you may not actually even be aware of it but the symptoms that you would have with that would be the snoring the really severe daytime tiredness so you'd feel exhausted during the day um, you'd wake up with a headache you might feel depressed because obviously your oxygen levels been low and your brain isn't functioning as well as it could um, and also you'd have a dry mouth as well in the mornings because you've been snoring so, so much. If you have any of those symptoms, please, please go to um, see your GP and ask for some sleep studies because it's more common than asthma. You know, wow. so many, so many people. I mean, th I think they think it's 85 percent of people with sleep apnea are not diagnosed. So uh, and they. It, it could actually transform their life if, if they had some treatment so that, you know, there is treatment. So it's definitely worth seeking some medical advice about that. Um, the other ones are probably a little bit less common. Mind you, there's one called um, restless leg syndrome, 
which is pretty much what it says on the tin you know you just um you get sort of restless legs at night and you can't you can't keep still um sort of 20 percent of the population have restless leg syndrome and that actually keeps them awake and they have a very very restless sleep and they they're just exhausted the whole time um so they they people may not be aware that you know that's actually a sleep disorder mm. and it can be treated again um then there's the more severe things like narcolepsy and that is um when you get an overwhelming sort of sleep attack and you can fall asleep at any moment i mean people with narcolepsy can actually fall asleep while they're talking to you that's not because you're necessarily boring i hope <laughs> it is it is because it is an overwhelming overwhelming wow. urge to to sleep and it's totally disabling it really is very very disabling um children again get missed with that because people think they're lazy you know yeah. teachers might see them as asleep in in class and think oh for goodness sake you need to go to bed earlier you know and so yeah. the average sort of time it takes to get somebody from to be diagnosed with narcolepsy i think is something about eight years just because people have just mm. thought that they're too tired you know and yeah. they're, they're lazy so um and unfortunately, because of COVID, because it, it, it can start with a sort of a viral, viral sort of trigger, um, there has been an increase in narcolepsy just recently. So it's yeah. something to, to watch out for. Um, so, yeah, they're the main ones. Um, I could go on. There are plenty <laughs> others. <laughs> but I don't know that's, if that's really, that's really helpful. That's, yeah. no, that's really helpful, Joe. And um, I, I guess, it, you know, if you Googled, sleep disorders I'm, I'm guessing you, mm -hmm. you'd probably come up with nhs but it would probably come under mental health so can you unpack well, a little bit for me why that is indeed absolutely um the, the reason it is is because every single mental health um disorder has a sleep disturbance element within it so there isn't any single mental health, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's schizophrenia, whatever it is, sleep is disturbed. And so there is, a, it, and, and that is because the neurotransmitters, the little chemicals that um, are responsible for, for mood and, um, you know, mental health are also responsible for sleep. And so it's completely interlinked. I mean, many of my clients come with anxiety and that could be just because, uh, and this is, this is where the sleep sort of gets missed out really, is because people often actually assume that they have either an anxiety problem or they are depressed, but actually it could well be a sleep problem, you know, and fix the sleep problem and their anxiety goes away wow. or their depression goes away so sleep is fundamentally important when you're doing a sort of a mental health sort of assessment mm. um so yeah you, you just you can't really separate the two out but so as i say so often sleep problems are overlooked and people are given antidepressants when they may actually not need them it may mm. be obstructive sleep apnea you know or yeah another another sort of um another sleep sleep disorder so 
that that's one of my things that I'm really, really sort of focusing on is, is informing other sort of health clinicians about the importance of asking about sleep always, always. And um, could you give us some tips about, um, you know, how to sleep better? You know, I'm guessing that's about sort of whether that's lifestyle or um, bedtime routine, those sort of things. Certainly. I mean, one of the most important, well, there's a couple of really important sort of keys. One of them is actually waking up, and this is a bit boring, and not, people don't <laughs> tend to like this too much, but it does actually, if you're struggling with your sleep, it does make such a difference. And that is to get up at the same time every day. Um, now, the reason for that is, is because that you you need to get um, a really high what's called a sleep drive. So you need, to, you need to get really, really tired throughout the day. Now, if you've got, if, if you wake up, say, uh, normally wake up at six in the morning, but on a, on a weekend, you're going to wake up at, say, 10. Well, you've had f- four hours less time to get tired. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And so when you try and get to bed it's actually you're going to sleep more the the quality of your sleep is actually going to be worse because you've had four hours of of less wake time to get tired so a really really regular wake time is really important and then you go to sleep when only when you are sleepy don't go to bed when you think look oh gosh it's half past ten i think we'd better go to bed now if you're not tired, don't go to bed, you know, yeah. and you can go, a lot of people go to bed too early. You could go to bed much later, but the quality of your sleep would be so much better because you would really, really be ready for that sleep. The other thing that um, often gets overlooked, I mean, obviously there's all the caffeine and the alcohol and all of those things, but I think most people tend to know about that, but we'll, co- we'll come back to that in a second. The, the, the biggest trigger is light. And light is the thing that switches our body clock on and off. And this is, this is one of the reasons why so many people really struggle to sleep in the lockdown is because we weren't getting exposed to natural light in the same way because we're all inside. Mm. So it's getting outside in the morning light switches off your sleep hormone. And so you want your sleep hormones switched off in the day and then on at night. So morning light, especially as we're coming into the winter months, you can use a daylight lamp if you, if you don't get out or if you work from home. Um, a daylight lamp can be really, really key to, to just making sure that you switch off that sleep hormone because otherwise you just feel really lethargic and really sort of flat um and that's because you've got too much of your sleep hormone just trickling through the day so light is really important so caffeine um yeah caffeine i think most people sort of know to avoid caffeine but um the reason for that is because caffeine can stay in your system for up to 12 to 18 hours after you've had it so even if you've had a, a a coffee at lunchtime uh, say say you've had it, I don't know, two in the afternoon, maybe. You still haven't got complete clearance of that caffeine until two in the morning. 
So, you know, if you're having a late night coffee, I mean, for some people, some people can be fine. And if you can be, if you're fine with it, then that's absolutely not a problem. But if you are having trouble sleeping, it is really worth just holding off off your caffeine, you know, certainly after lunchtime. Um, so yeah, that they're the, they're the main things. I'm winding down really well in the evening, switching off your phone, switching off a screen. Don't watch the news if you, if it stresses you out. Yeah. Um, that was a real common cause of insomnia, especially at the beginning of COVID, you know, wow. people were just sort of really stressed out, you know, watching the, the, the late night news, just switch it off. Just don't watch it. Just do something you enjoy. It's just not, it's just really going to ruin your sleep and your sleep so much more important than watching the news (laughs) yeah and you mentioned you mentioned light at the beginning there um sort of during the daytime but but in a sense of in our bedrooms i mean does it help to have any light on at all joe or is it best to be in um it's best when you're when you're actually trying to sleep is actually completely switch that all the lights off even in children's rooms because any amount of light tells your brain that it's still daytime so and you want complete darkness ideally um or as low level light as you can possibly get away with it and the same with screens i mean you know if you if you're if you're sat in front of a phone i mean the sunshine has got a hundred thousand lux um emitting from it and a and a telephone you know a a mobile phone has got three thousand lux so you know you you get the sense that you are actually triggering your brain to to stay awake that's what that's that's the message that you're giving your brain um i mean it, the light in a in a sort of a, the average room is between 2 and 500 lux so you know you can see that a, a phone or a, um, any sort of handheld device is going to really really sort of shine an intense light actually directly into your eyes so that that's always a good thing to try and just you know put them on charge put them out of the room read a book wind down really really sort of think of it as you know putting your mind to bed before you put your body to bed basically great and so you know if anyone's sort of listening to this podcast is thinking actually i think i i think i do have a sleep problem um where are they taking is that is the first step a, a gp do you think um, yeah, you 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 can see a GP. Um, it's that there are a few medical reasons why you might have a sleep problem. Say, for example, if you've got a high thyroid sort of, um, you know, your thyroid glands not working well, um, or you've got diabetes. So sometimes it's good to check those out first and and just make sure that um, there's nothing amiss there. And then if they if that's all fine and they say you know no no problem at all the the temptation is to give you sleeping tablets sleeping tablets are not an answer to a sleep problem they are basically like a mallet you know that they, they, they will sedate you um they won't give you um all of the sleep cycles that you really need and it's not a long-term problem but saying that i mean again if you've got an acute insomnia you know when you've got a super super stressful sort of period in your life that's fine you know it's that you're not going to come to any harm by taking sleeping tablets then but if it's a longer term problem 
um, you know, you, you can contact me on Why Sleep and um, we can sort of do a sleep assessment and, you know, do some work around. Um, I usually use cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. That's one of one of the treatments that I use. And that's got a really good success rate. You know, people can even just after one or two sessions, people really can notice quite a difference in their sleep. And just uh, I think it's really important to know that just small changes can make a really big difference. And so it's it's you can just tweak a few things and think, oh, actually, yeah, 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 I really am sleeping better. So it is definitely worth um, looking into. But um there's not many people um, around. The cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia is available on an app, but it's not available in person, really, generally speaking. So, um, and not everybody suits using an app. Yeah. Some people are fine with that, but some people aren't. Yeah. So, yeah. Joe, that has been fascinating today. Thank you so much indeed for um, sharing all your, your wisdom and experience and knowledge. Um, with us today and and for your time as well really appreciate that thanks for joining me oh thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure thank you i hope you guys found that as helpful as i did uh, i also found it really reassuring you know when joe said about it being normal to not sleep well when we're going through difficult patches um particularly with all the news and effects of covid at this moment it's bound to affect our sleep. Uh, I'm sure you picked out loads of things, but three things that really spoke out to me was, you know, try and get up at the same time every day. Uh, if you're not tired, don't go to bed. And finally, I thought this was great. Put your mind to bed before you put your body to bed. Uh, thank you, Joe. Her website is ysleep.co.uk and why is spelled W-Y-E. And you can follow her on Facebook at YSleep or The Sleep Retreat. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, next time I'm in conversation with marine biologist Jean-Luc Salant from the Marine Conservation Society. We are going to be talking about marine protected areas, uh, pollution, microplastics, uh, fishing, possibly Brexit. Don't forget you could subscribe or follow me on Twitter and Facebook. I'll see you next time.